Welcome to another episode of Build Up One Another. I'm your host, Karen Temple. This is where I interview accomplished men and women who know that to go far, you go with one another. Join us as we unpack the stories behind their key relationships and how this has impacted where they've gone and more importantly, who they've become. Today, I'm so delighted to welcome Brad Eager. Brad is a husband to Emily and a father to four amazing children. Born and raised in Calgary before being transplanted to Southern Ontario for the last 17 years, he is a youth pastor at our church, The Meeting House, where he leads close to 200 teenagers on a weekly basis. Talk about a man on a noble mission. Previously, he served at Young Life, a parachurch ministry for 15 years. He also has his own coaching business. Brad is super passionate about leading people, coaching people, and doing it all relationally. Brad, welcome to Build Up One Another. Hey, thanks very much. So Brad, you talked about leading people relationally, that that's become a bit of a a life theme for you. We often hear people talking about being intentional. I'm not sure many people have heard about being relational. I was wondering if you could unpack that and describe a little bit about how that looks and feels in practice. Sure. I I realize that maybe it's a word that that means a lot more to me. than it does to others. Uh, obviously, everything we do as people is relational if it involves another person. So maybe it's a matter of degree that we're talking about. When I think about leading relationally, I think about just enjoying people for the sake of enjoying people, that there's no other, that relationships are an end in themselves. So it's, it's not necessarily what can I get out of this relationship or how can I get this person to do what I need them to do, but that it's actually about them. And so the goal is it becomes about being on the journey with each other. And that's just as important as the destination. As I've grown and been able to reflect back on my life, um, I've been able to sort of put my thumb on it a bit more and, and just how I'm in the relationships that I've had and the impact that they've made on my life. So as I've had uh, mentors and people that have influenced me. It's made a deep impression on my life. It's what I want out of all my relationships. And so I sort of carry that into everything I do, whether it's uh, vocationally or even just personally. Like everyone, uh, I have a story. We all have a story and our stories are very important. Most of us maybe wouldn't have chosen the story that we have, but we have what we have. My parents split up when I was six years old. And so I didn't grow up with a father around, but I had a great stable childhood um, and so I really, I was the oldest son and I, I noticed I would just really absorb any adult attention, especially male attention would come my way. And so uh, if people would show interest in me or give me their time, I just soaked it up. And so looking back on my life, I can tell you the people that I would say they were mentors just one after another. And I, I don't know if that's normal or if that was just, if I was lucky, but maybe there was something about me that was sort of putting that out there that I'm someone that wants to be known and I want to feel safe and I want to have people that I can look up to and trust. And so I think if I was looking for that, maybe those are the people that I was connecting with. You know, sometimes you you just have certain chemistry with people and, and there's no accounting for that. Chemistry is what it is. You can't, you can't fake it. And so looking back, I think I realized I was probably drawn to people that were offering that type of leadership or mentorship or friendship in my life. And when you look back on that as a, as a child, do you remember how that felt? Oh yeah. I mean, if, if, I mean, think back to the people that 
um, you looked up to as a kid and we, we just, you know, we remember things that they say and we kind of put them on pedestals, either rightly or wrongly. People that we look up to, they have a huge influence on our life and even more than then they, they probably realize if we were to talk to them, they'd probably say, Oh, I didn't really do anything. I'm, I'm glad that you received it that way. But that's just that when we're young in our formative years and we're impressionable, we really do hang on the words of those people that we're looking up to. And so uh, it felt great. I couldn't get enough just uh, connection and I didn't have it with my own uh, father. He wasn't as relationally inclined, had a good relationship, but um, it was always just kind of on the, on the surface and so I really valued those people that um, we could just talk about anything with and they would listen to me and make me feel like my ideas were worth sharing. I think you're right. I think a lot of people these days, I see around me how life has gotten busier and busier, so to speak. And there seems to be less time, especially with two parents working. When you were a kid and you had these mentors and these people coming around you, like, how did it look in terms of frequency and in and out on a weekly basis or monthly basis? Yeah, I think I would take any, any time that I could get um, with, these, with these people. Um, and there's always different people that we look to on, on different levels. So not everybody is, there were teachers that I had in school that I just really enjoyed and looked up to. And my mom made sure that I was um, in classrooms with male teachers in late elementary. Just, I think it was her way of saying, I just want some male voices in my son's life. And, um, and I really appreciated that. I, I remember those teachers and I looked up to each of them in different ways, but it didn't go beyond the classroom. Uh, but there were still people that, you know, you, you just look and you watch and you, and you recognize character in people and you start to figure out as you grow, who can I trust and who's safe and who do I want to be like? And who do I think is funny? And yeah, who do I want to spend more time with? And so uh, some of those people were, um, uh, church leaders, youth leaders um, that were in my life, and others were family, friends. And so I really had an embarrassment of riches in terms of good mm -hmm. people I could look up to. And maybe that's why I just, when I look at people that don't have that in their life, I, I just don't, I don't understand. <laughs> maybe it's just the way I'm, I'm wired that I value it so much. And I realize not everybody is maybe wired quite that way to want so much out of their relationships with people. And so, you know, maybe they, maybe they're satisfied with, you know, just having a few more surface level friendships and, uh, but that's, that's not me. I always want to go, you know, from zero to 60 with people as fast as I can and be like, okay, let's get all this, uh, preliminary, uh, stuff out of the way and let's get to the real life stuff. And I want to know your story and I want to make a connection because when we, start to be that vulnerable with people, we realize that uh, we all share a human story. Mm. Um, even if our experiences or backgrounds have been different, there's, we all feel insecure. We all uh, have hopes. We all have had hurts and disappointments and that we can all connect on, but we've got to be willing to offer it and create those safe spaces. And you can't just flip a switch. I, I said, I, you know, I like going from zero to 60, but realize like, sometimes that uh that scares people and so yeah. you have to you, you do you do have to do the dance and realize okay the point is not we have to be best friends with everybody it's not that but it's just saying whatever level our relationships are at let's make sure that they are authentic and honest and then appropriately vulnerable for wherever that relationship's at and some will grow beyond that as people uh are looking uh for those types of connections with mm. the people around them 
when you mentioned that maybe not everybody is wired that way, I wonder if we indeed are, that as, as humans, we are wired that way. And that either we have as a community, as a social group, maybe forgotten how to do it. It sounds hmm. crazy, but I can see that happening. And that's one of the reasons why I'm really happy to have you on the show, because just unpacking how that looks and how that feels, I think could be of real value to a lot of the people listening. You mentioned wanting to go from zero to a deep conversation very quickly, and that sometimes you need to be able to do a bit of a dance. Maybe you can describe just from one of, or some of those experiences you've had about how you go from meeting somebody who's really a stranger to discerning, okay, is there, a, is there something here that we can build a, a friendship or a relationship on? And how does that unfold for people? Hmm. Yeah, you know, Karen, I, I, I do think you're right. Maybe uh, on some level we are all, this is what we want at the end of the day in our lives is a deep connection with those around us, uh, an honest one where we can be ourselves and really feel like I'm, I'm seen, I'm known, I'm accepted, my whole story, mm-hmm. I'm not disqualified, I'm not judged. I, I think you're probably right. Yeah, you know, it, it's uh, obviously you can't, like I said, you can't be best friends with everybody. You don't exactly. want to go around being this needy, uh, you know, um, we have relationships on all levels and some will just stay the way they are. Some are for seasons in our life and we part ways. We just can't, we can only keep up with so many people. Sometimes it's all we can do to keep up with those that are in our own household. And so, you know, but there's lots of people that cross our paths that we have to work with, that we're put on teams with. And for me, I just want those relationships to be as authentic as possible. There's a dissatisfaction in me to just kind of work alongside someone, but not have the relationship continue to grow. And so maybe it's even on a subconscious level, but I I guess I'm always kind of putting it out there. Yes, there's work to do and conversations to have and things like that. But I, I guess I'm so fascinated by people and interested in people that there's just always ways to begin to share uh, your life and story with people in ways that aren't, uh, you know, needy or inappropriate or manipulative. I use humor. Humor has always been a, it's a defense mechanism. Um, but I also find it's, it, it helps just put people at ease. And so I'm always, mm-hmm. I don't know, just trying to look for the humor in every situation is just ready to laugh. And part of that is ready to laugh at myself. So the more I can, can poke fun at myself, it's just it's so disarming when people mm-hmm. realize, oh, okay, he doesn't take himself that seriously. There's lots we should take seriously in this world, but I don't know that we should take that seriously. Um, I don't think we, when we are, we're not the best version of ourselves. What we, what we put forward, we're, it's all kind of posturing or it's bravado and other people pick up on that and it brings out the worst in them. And so as time's gone on, I, I, I just realized, you know what, I'm just going to be me. And sometimes that means playing the fool a, a little bit because then it just helps everybody to be themselves. And yeah, sometimes I've overstepped. Sometimes I've had to apologize for a joke I've made too soon before maybe we were at that point. I, I, I think maybe I kind of use it as a, as a bit of a test. It's like, okay, if I can get away with this, then I know, okay, we, I can have this type of comfort, this back and forth with somebody that, that this can just be really fun. And mm-hmm. um, so I guess that's just what I value when, I, we get, when it gets to that point with people where it's just like, I just enjoy being with you. It doesn't really matter what we do. And it, but, you know, and, and often it's the people that 
that you are having to work alongside with projects or missions or things that you have to do because you feel connected because you're, you're, you're working towards the same goal or same cause. And if you can feel connected and vulnerable and safe with those people, life is very rich. It's very rewarding. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because you talked about wanting to grow a relationship where you do feel like there's some synergy or there's some connectedness to another person. You, you're not satisfied if it just stays at a certain level that you're looking to go deeper to see where it can go. And I imagine that that takes a certain um, amount of intention to go back to that word and a certain amount of carving out of time and space in order to realize that possibility. Yeah, it's true. Um, when, when you engage relationally with another person, um, th th they're another person with their own life, their own story. And so there's, there's stuff that has to be, to be worked out there. People are busy um, as, uh, as we get to know uh, people better, that there's more to navigate. For sure. We can't be, we can't necessarily have um, deep relationships with everybody in our life. Um, sometimes it's true. It's, it's our immediate family. It's a few close friends outside. And then after that, it starts to get difficult um, to be able to commit to forming deeper relationships with a lot of the people in our, in our circles. At the same time, I often say to myself, whether it's a deep relationship with you have you have with somebody or even if you are just having a momentary interaction in life the person you're passing on the street for example there is still the possibility in that moment to when your eyes meet to exchange a smile makes the world a warmer place that helps people to connect even if it's just for a short period it's i often say to myself well whether this is going to be a, a lifetime relationship or if it's going to be just a transient moment on a street, how am I showing up in that person's world? And how do I choose to share what's in me? And it can be done without even saying any words as well. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And that is a good point to clarify that having deep relationships doesn't necessarily mean these huge investments of time and everybody's your best friend and you, you just give yourself to the whole world. That, that, that's not uh, practical. Uh, and I don't know that it's healthy either. I think uh, it's smart to just have those, those few. Um, some people need a few more. I've always had one or two uh, in my life that I'll say, like, I, I, these are the people I share these things with. And it's only them. I don't need to share everything with everybody. I need a couple people I can trust that I permission to speak into my life because they, they know me. And so they, they can say the things that are maybe sting a little bit. Uh, they can hold up the mirror and I'll receive it from them because I trust them. They, they know where my sensitivities are, where I'm insecure. They know how to, to, to deal with me gently. And not everybody gets that. And so even those other relationships that we have, they might not be, we may not be describing them as deep, but whatever level those relationships are at, you even mentioned just those daily interactions we have with people we don't even know. We don't even know their name. But how can those be sincere and genuine? And how can we be uh, people that are offering honesty and character and vulnerability? Because I think as over time, as we are that person to those around us, I think it adds up to an awful lot. Um, and maybe more than the sometimes the competitive nature in us where we're trying to sort of, how do I one-up this person or how do I kind of outshine this person? How do I make sure when we just start to put other people first, um, it actually uh, reflects really well on us because people, they, they end up just, they love us, they enjoy us, they trust us. And so you actually gain a voice and a platform in people's lives to influence and to lead 
that you wouldn't have by wielding your title or your position or making a power play. Yes, we hold those cards as leaders, but boy, when we play them, there's a cost. There's always a relational cost. And, you know, maybe we say, well, you know, I don't care. This is the way it's structured. So, uh, you know, uh, you have to listen to me and that's fine. We can get people to do what we want sometimes, but at what cost and who do we want to be um, to those around us? And how do we want to be described? Um, Just um, shifting gears a bit, you've worked in youth ministry and you've seen kids go through this transformation called the teenage years, which is really challenging. We're all children at some level throughout our entire lives. And when I say that, I mean, I think we're always learning, always growing. There's always a point where we feel vulnerable. But as adults, we often have all these coping strategies and masks and things that we can put on that give the semblance like we've got everything every other. Um, not sure that we always do. But um, I just want to go back to kids. And a lot of times with teenagers, they shut down, walls come up. How do we build trust with teenagers? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up teenagers because um, when you want to talk about fascinating people, what I love about them is, yes, there's walls and yes, there's the, the, you know, the, the things that they do to try and kind of make themselves interesting or they're, they're trying to figure all that out. Mm-hmm. And so certainly there is pretense. They, they do do a lot of strange things to try and test out well, who do I want to be? What, what kind of reputation do I want to have? What makes me likable? What, what do I bring to the party? Um, but they're not that good at it yet. So it comes out in a lot of weird ways, which is why uh, it's so easy to um, point at the things that come out of uh, teenage culture and uh, shake our heads. But um, adults just become more sophisticated and they become better at hiding. And when they build a wall, um, they know how to keep it up. Um, what I love about teenagers is that you still there's still such a vulnerability in age because they don't know yet who they are. And so there's still a little bit of the kid in them still, and you can draw that out. And so, yes, there's walls, but I find that for the most part, uh, they're not that thick, not yet. Now, I don't want to speak too generally. Certainly there's some teenager, teenagers that have lived a, uh, a lifetime or more worth of pain um, and they've had trust betrayed and they have hurts and, um, and they're on a very different journey. But generally speaking, they're, they're figuring it out. They have hurts. But uh, when an adult comes into their life that is consistent and consistently shows them that I think you're interesting, I like you, I think you bring value, and we miss you when you're not here. However, whether we say it like that or whether we just demonstrate it over time by how we listen and how we engage and we ask questions and we teenagers don't get a lot of respect. Um, you know, teachers, of course, keep a professional distance with them. They're not interested in getting to know them too much. That, that crosses lines. Their parents, of course, know them really well, but then that's the age where they're, where they're pushing back. They've heard everything mom and dad have to say, and they're not interested in that right now, or they're interested in testing it. And so I've just seen the, the effects of what a consistent presence in a kid's life can mean. And I, I say consistent because I think at the end of the day, that's actually what adds up to the most. Uh, it's not necessarily because leaders have it all together. And I think we know that any time uh, when we've been leading another, we, we wrestle with that sense of, I'm, I'm kind of a hypocrite. I, I feel I'm not qualified for this. Surely somebody, there's somebody better than me, or I'm going to be exposed 
here once they realize I actually don't have my life together and I need to uh, listen to the, <laughs> the sermon that I'm preaching to them. And, uh, and I think that's just, that's just reality um, as, as being a leader is that we'll, we always wrestle with that, that tension. Uh, can be a huge advantage, uh, certainly in leading young people, but anybody, is when we're honest about our own insecurities. Obviously, as appropriate, we uh, we always say with kids, it's like we'll we'll show them scars, not wounds, and uh, and I like that because I thought, yeah, it's not appropriate uh, to share adult issues or whatever with a with a teenager or young person, but uh, showing them some of our scars and to say, yeah, you know what, I was hurt too in high school, or I. I struggle with this even now. And they, and they'll look at you like, wow, you, you do. I, I, cause they put you on a pedestal. They assume, mm. well, you have it all together. You're a grown up, but we don't. And so when we can start to say, you know what, it's not about having it all together. You don't, you know, growing up isn't about kind of arriving at some higher plane or plateau where we can coast and we figured our lives out. It's a, it's a journey. And so if it's about the journey, then let's model to them what it means to do it together. And that means stepping into their world and that's inconvenient because it takes time and you have to listen to, you know, in some ways you look at their life and think, Oh, they're just making dumb decision after dumb decision. I, I wouldn't do it that way. I'm, I'm just going to tell them, well, here's what you need to do to correct your course. They've got enough adults giving them advice on what they need to be doing. What they don't have is the adult that says, you know what, whether, whether you make dumb decisions for the next five years or not, I'm going to be with you because I just think you're great. And uh, that's what life is about. It's about walking the path and the journey alongside one another. And I think in this day and age, and I'm not talking just about teenagers, I'm saying, I think everybody's longing to know that there are people that are going to walk with us in the long haul. Maybe that used to be marriage uh, in, in, in times past. Hopefully it still is for many, but we know that that's, uh, that that's hard. And so there's, there's just not a lot of guarantees in this life in the long term. And so when we offer that to people, I think it just resonates deep in their soul that this is what I need. I need someone that is, I know isn't going to run away if I make a mistake or if I do it wrong, that they're, they're not going to use that as an opportunity to, to one up me or to put mm. me down. They're just, they're my fan. They're in my corner. They've got my back. Yeah. And um, hopefully we have that in our parents. But I think we, as we grow, we need other people at different phases of our life. That's right. Those are the people who are in the ring with us when the growing gets tough and also there with us when the sun is shining nice and bright. We're not meant to do life alone and it's tough. One person's struggles can be a way for us to be able to share with another person that helps them through their struggles. It's that whole relating to one another in teenagers, when they do have concerns, often as adults, we're looking at them through our perspective, where we are now as adults. And sometimes the problems and challenges they have seem trivial or they seem blown out of proportion. In their worldview, that problem is huge. It's as huge as any of our adult problems. That's what they're experiencing. They're experiencing in their world what is a big teenage problem. Hindsight's 2020. I often have shared with you that sometimes I find it really hard to remember what it was like to be a teenager. And then there are times when I look back and I remember something that I did that was, when I look back at it now, it was really crazy and stupid. 
And yet I remember at that time thinking that this is a really good idea. Being able to have that humility to recognize that 20 years, there's a lot of experience and learning happening there. Yeah, I, I think you nailed it. I think if, you know, if we all think back now, since you brought it up, um, on our teenage years, uh, I, I think we would all do it differently uh, with what we know now. Maybe we wouldn't want to go back at all. But if we did, I think we would, <laughs> we would do, it, do it differently. And you're right. Uh, you know, we're just, it's survival. That's why teenagers, they're so self-absorbed. It's because they, they have to be. They're, they don't have capacity to always see things from other perspectives because they're just trying to figure out who they are. So, and I think this is probably true even, uh, not even just, just with working with teenagers, but with anybody, that when we have the patience to meet somebody where they're at, it inconveniences us because sometimes we just want to, we just want to solve problems, right? We want to move on. So somebody's sharing something with us. We've got to, mm-hmm. so we're not really listening. We're not really meeting them in their story. We're just sort of taking the information and trying to sort of, we want to be helpful. It probably comes from a good place, but we're not slowing down enough to enter into their space. Mm-hmm. And especially with teenagers, they need people to do that. It's easy to give advice. We know that we get advice all the time for advice. Often we just need to share it. You know, we're smart enough people on our own. We probably know the answers. We just maybe need to be heard and have somebody kind of nod their head along with us and say, yeah, I, I feel you. I hear you. I've been there. And just to say, they're just validating our humanity and saying, it's okay. You have full permission to be right where you're at. And, and, and you don't, you're not doing it wrong. You're not, mm-hmm. if we want to lead people forward, we can't, we have to meet them where they're at. Wherever point A is, we, we have to go back and meet them in point A. We might have to spend time with them at point A if we're ever going to move them to point B. We can't be on ahead down the path toward, to point B and yelling back to them, well, why aren't you here? Well, why, it's better over here. Come on, like, you know, get, get over it. Their brains are going through a massive transformation neurologically. Um, if you think about the changes that happen from a time a baby's born to say when they're four years old, we're all amazed. And yet there's a similar neurological transformation that are happening in teenagers. They say, even in our early 20s, our brain is still developing. When they're sharing what's going on in their lives, they're processing and trying to make sense of this world, which is going a lot faster and a lot more complex every day. And so just having some some awareness to that too, I think is really important. I know even as a as an adult, when I've gone through some really challenging times, I literally feel like my brain is on fire and I can feel the stress. And I know that at that point, um, it's challenging to work through something. And I'm sure there are other adults out there who would look at my particular problem or challenge and say, okay, well, you just got to do this, this, and this. But the value in being able to work through the struggles of life, the challenges of life, really help to build confidence in all of us, help us to realize that, hey, no matter how bad this is right now, that life does go on, the sun does come up, have faith that tomorrow there is another day, that there is an opportunity to also find joy and happiness amidst challenges. You know, to your point, humor is a great thing because it can immediately just cut the tension in a particular problem or a particular situation. That's why I do enjoy working with teenagers is they're just so brutally uh, honest because they can't help it. So they're blunt, they're direct, they'll call BS wherever they see it. Um, and that can sting us a little bit as leaders, right? But it'll keep us honest. And I think they can, they can smell a, a hypocrite or a phony uh, a mile away. Those that maybe are more introverted, that's when they put the walls up. 
and it's their way of coping to say, hey, I think you're a phony here and I'm putting a, I'm putting a wall up. We, we shouldn't be vulnerable with everybody. We, I like that teenagers generally start from a very honest place of, uh, if they haven't been hurt too badly, that generally they assume that people are kind and warm and are going to be honest with them. And they, so they, they give you a wide berth uh, until that's abused or until you've hurt them or let them down. Um, then walls go up. And so we all put walls up because we are protecting ourselves because we're intimidated. We're feeling insecure. We're feeling threatened um, when we're with other people. And so we all have our tricks that we do. And as adults, we we're just so good at them. Uh, we can fool a lot of people for a long time. We can fool ourselves for a long time. I think the, the biggest lies are the ones we tell ourselves. And with teenagers, you just, uh, you just don't get that sophistication. So it's a bit more raw Sometimes it is like a like a bit of a mirror, and I can I can work with that. It can be all over the place with their feelings, and it's honest in the moment. It's how they're feeling. It's how what they're thinking. It just you know it just comes out, and so I like that. Often, what you see is what you get. Or if you're getting, mm-hmm. you know, if you know you're getting a little bit of a show or a little bit, you know, there's reasons for that. If they're having a bad week, and just how ready they are for those walls to come down once they know it's safe. Those walls come down really fast. And that's why our role as influencers and leaders, certainly with the young, that's so key because we can do a lot of damage. And I've, I've hurt people, had to apologize a lot to people. And, and I didn't always have the maturity to do that. But I realized that, you know, my words can sting. Uh, my sense of humor can sometimes. And, um, and I, I remember people who've stung me, right, with things that they've said. That stuff stays with us for a lifetime. And even those people might not even know what they said or, oh, I didn't mean anything by it. It's like, well, I remembered. <laughs> and I think how many times have I said things to kids and not even known I've said it off the or I kind of put them down in the moment um, for the sake of a joke or something. And so I've become a lot quicker to apologize. And that's another way we can show that, hey, no, I really, I care about you. I would never want anything to get in the way. And so if I've done or said anything, that has given you a different impression, I want to be, a, I want the chance to apologize for that. Because you can read the signs a bit more easily, you have that opportunity to be able to go back and to be able to make things right. Um, I want to bring this back to our adult world, because as you mentioned, as adults, we get a lot more sophisticated at putting up our guards and being able to um, stay at the surface with other people. How do you think we could potentially change the dynamic amongst adults? across all ages in a way that's more relational? Uh, I don't know, Karen, that's your job. Um, <laughs> no, it starts with leading ourselves and we have to decide what, you know, what type of world do we want? What type of relationships do I want to have in my life when I look back on my life? And if we want those relationships, we have to be the ones modeling them. Can't just sit back and wait for everybody to just meet our needs. And uh, we all know what that's like when we, want to communicate something to somebody and we expect them to just know (laughs) and then we're bothered or we're put out when people aren't picking up our cues because we don't want to have to ask we don't want to have to say you know what i'm feeling really lonely right now (laughs) and i just need you to pursue me a little bit oh that's hard to say we just we feel i don't know maybe pathetic or weak but people don't always know and so if we want certain things from people we, we have to ask, we have to share those parts of our stories so that there are people in this world that are walking alongside us that know that about us. So I have friends that they, I don't even have to say a word, they can see the look on my face 
and they know because they know what's going on in me. So they know if I'm bothered. And I think I've got a pretty good poker face, but not for those closest to me. And so to be known on that level, uh, but that's because we've had the long conversations and I've been able, I felt comfortable being honest. And so it does start with us. We need to be willing to be vulnerable, to own our stuff, <laughs> our story, even the parts we want to rewrite. Our past is our past and, and that's part of us. But um, I think we all want to move forward in healthy ways. And so, yeah, people need to be pursued. Everybody wants to be. Everybody, you know, think about when you get a compliment from somebody. It just lights us up. It, it, mm -hmm. You know, it makes our whole day. So maybe we need to be people that are quicker to give them. Be people that create those moments where we can tell another person, hey, when you said that, I just thought that was great. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was so smart. Uh, life is too short not to say these things to one another because we love it and we receive it. And we need it. We crave it. At least I do anyway. Let's be quicker to offer it. And so that we create the cultures that we want in our, on our teams and our workspaces. Um, and certainly the next generation, we want that. Um, but we got to lead with it. We can't hide behind our walls. And it's scary. It's hard. Uh, and we might be hurt. And we will be hurt. Some people are going to let us down because not everybody can receive that because they have hurts. And the more we understand that, we realize people who are are not trustworthy or they uh, say hurtful things like they, they have their own story and there's a reason yeah. that they're acting the way they are. And maybe it will just give us a heck of a lot more grace for each other. But I think as leaders, those of us who are um, in positions of influence over others, let's not lead with ego and power and manipulation. Let's, let's be people that lead alongside with vulnerability and honesty and, uh, and authenticity. It's amazing. I, I love how you have described what it means to be relational. What I'm hearing is making that conscious choice. And this goes back to being intentional, having clarity on how I want to show up at a given moment and making that choice to see another person, to hear another person and be able just to step back and create that space for two humans to engage. It is amazing when we realize that we have so many different people with so many different experiences and that when somebody is a little off kilter to kind of ask ourselves, well, what is their story? And maybe to your point, have a bit of grace and um, humility to when you see somebody with a very thick wall, rather than to say, well, this is impossible to say, well, wow, I wonder, I wonder what caused that wall to get so thick and I wonder if there's a little sliver of light that I can shine through and where would that lead? I think mm -hmm. it can really change, change where we are. I wanted to ask you, and I ask this to most of my guests, if you were to think back in your own life, if there was one person that comes to mind who really made a difference in your life, um, if you'd share who that person is and what impact that had in your life. Yeah, there's many as I think back um, on different seasons of my life. And in those moments in time, they were certainly the most important person to me uh, or sort of the lead kind of influential voice. Um, but there's been a few that I would say have spanned different eras of my life. Uh, my friend Dave was one of my young life leaders in Calgary. So he's known me since I was in high school. And uh, he actually made the move to Ontario about the same time that I did. We both moved uh, with Young Life as it was growing in Southern Ontario. And so to have a mentor and a friend and a little piece of home 
come with me when I was young. I was single. It was the hardest thing I'd ever done. Hardest thing I'd experienced since, since my parents divorced. Um, I was very close with my family in Calgary, I had a, but I sensed there was something for me, uh, maybe a bit of adventure that I wanted to pursue, but it was incredibly hard. And he meant so much to me, uh, whether it's just having somebody to watch hockey with. I think maybe we were comfort for each other in some ways. And he is still a friend and a mentor uh, after all these years. So it's been 20, 27 years now that we've known each other. And he's a man of character. And when I look at just who he is, who he is in private is who he is in public. It's who he is as a leader. It's who he is as a husband and a father. And that to me, that is, uh, I do put him on a bit of a pedestal. Uh, it's always dangerous. I don't know that we should put anybody on pedestal. He's also, he is human too. Uh, and I know his faults, but, um, but there's lots that I look up to him for. And there's times that when I was younger, maybe I didn't appreciate all those things. Uh, but I just see how character has won the day over time. And I've seen him go through hard things uh, mm -hmm. as a leader of people people who would challenge his leadership, people who questioned his character. We come across all these people, even in nice little church world um, that some of us are in. And so to just see him not fall into some of those traps has just been such a life lesson for me. I want to be humble in spirit uh, because I, I just see how he's trusted and looked to. And I think that's the type of influence I want to have. That's the type of leader I want to be. I hope people, I hope I can be a Dave to some of the people that mm -hmm. I am influencing, you know, people, uh, I had a friend say to me, he's like, you, you need four, you need four pallbearers one day at the end of your life. And so who, who are the four people going to be in your life that are going to, uh, make that last uh, journey with you? Who are those life people hmm. that you, that will walk alongside you? No, no matter where life takes you, they are just, they're going to be there in the end. Uh, and it takes work. You, you have to pursue those. You have to be intentional. Sometimes there's a context to good friendships and relationships. And when the context changes, people move on. And so there's people we look back on and we say, well, they were such a great friend there for a while, but now we've kind of lost touch. And that's okay. That's, that's normal. But there's some people, I think we have to say, I don't want this. I won't let this go. And I need to let that person know what they mean in my life. And I'm, I need to be intentional. I need to pursue. And it's, it's easy not to, it's easy to just let things slip because life is busy. We have to carve out the time. We can't be too busy for the most important relationships in our life. They're the thing that's going to get us home before the dark here in this yeah. life. And so uh, he is one of those people and um, yeah, I'm very grateful for him. That's absolutely beautiful. And recorded so many times that when people are at the end of their life it's it's not the work it's not the riches it's not the fame it's not it's the people and so with that i'm going to bring us to a close because i think this has been wonderful and i think we're on a good note here brad i really want to honor and acknowledge you for sharing how you have been relational with the people in your life and how this has impacted your own journey where can people find you well i Karen, thank you so much. Uh, you know, I love the encouragement. I, I need it. I've enjoyed this conversation. And so I, ho I hope it's been helpful. I would love to uh, meet uh, some of your listeners and connect. They can reach out to me at uh, The Meeting House, uh, brad.eager, that's E-A-G-E-R, at themeetinghouse.com. Or uh, in my coaching business, it's Gap Year Coaching. 
Uh, and that's brad.eager at gapyearcoaching.com. Okay, so that's wonderful. So folks listening, we'll be putting links in the show notes below so that you can reach out to Brad. And I really encourage you to do so. He is an incredible person who clearly has a way that is perhaps unique in today's day and age on how he's connecting and how he is leading and coaching people. People are talking about how important it is to be intentional. I want to ask you all the question, intentional for what? What is, what is the vision? What is the clarity around that intention that you're trying to build in your life? And when you think about the importance of people in our life, maybe we can start to change this to let's be relational with one another. So with that, I just want to encourage you by building up one another, we can truly merge our journeys and transform our lives. And I promise you, and it goes straight to what Brian was saying at the end here, you will discover a richness of life more beautiful than you could ever have imagined. We would love to know what you think of this podcast. Let us know by rating, sharing, and reviewing. Please subscribe and follow us wherever you listen to your podcast. Links are all below. So until next time, be well, my friend, and go build up one another.